the Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Last time on the Jesse Blake Sports Report, there was a comment on the YouTube version of the show. And the comment read, In the sheer hopes you're reading this, idea for the pod, making a best of the best NHL team, but you're only allowed to pick people who didn't ever lift Lord Stanley's Cup. So the likes of Aginla and Luongo, Lundqvist, etc. are the players eligible. That was from Devion212. I hope I'm saying your username right. Uh, your YouTube channel handle name correctly, Devion212. But thank you. That I saw that comment. I read that comment. I said, that's a great idea. Let me throw it out on Twitter. So I tweeted it out. And the response was incredible. People threw out so many names and they gave out so many like all-time great players who had never won a Stanley Cup. And that's how we're sitting here right now. That's how we got the idea for this podcast right now. The all-time no Stanley Cup team. Now, before we get to the team, let me tell you the rules. We're going to do it by position. So we're going to go center, left wing, right wing, two defensemen, and a goalie. Five skaters, one goalie in positions. We got to have we got to fill out the positions for the all-time no cup team. Just like we're doing an all-star team or in the NBA world an all-NBA team, we got to do it by position. They got to fill out those. And second rule, you have to be officially retired. So that's really the Carey Price rule is what I'm kind of calling that cuz Carey Price could maybe make my team. I don't know. It's debatable, debate amongst yourselves in the comments if you think Carey Price would make this team, but he's not officially retired, so you got to be officially retired to make the all-time no-cup team. you got to guarantee that you're not going to win a cup as a player. You might do it as management. That'd be a nice consolation. So we're going to do that today. And before we do that, let me tell you that coming up after the all-time cup, no-cup team, uh, I'm going to do a little thing on the Blue Jays because today's game was, uh, it was heartbreaking and it was emotional. It was a playoff game. So I want to talk about that a little after the all-time no-cup team. And then before we do that, before we get into the actual team, a word from our friends at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make your next bet at Sports Interaction. Like I mentioned off the top, the Jays in action today. You can bet on the Blue Jays or your favorite, any of your favorite baseball teams all summer long. Keep it going through September as the games start to mean a lot more like today's did. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to make your next bet live in play or on one of their many prop bets. Use the QR code that's on the screen right now to download their app or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. It is 19 plus and please always gamble responsibly. Okay, let's do it. Let's start with you. Let's start with your tweet replies of players who did not make my all-time no Stanley Cup team. So I'm going to pull them up here. We're going to start at the top. All-time great players. Nicholas Egan tweeted Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton didn't quite crack my list. Number one overall in 1997. Finished his career with 430 goals, 1,100 assists. That's 1,500 points if you're not counting. Um, he finishes, where is he finishing top all-time points scoring? 12th. 12th all-time for points. An all-time great Joe Thornton. Doesn't make my list. Eric Lindros, the big E. Dan Knightley tweeted that one, plus a whole host of others. Um, remember, 
Eric Lindros in his glory days as a Philadelphia Flyer. What a run he had there. Uh, three, four 40 goal seasons, one 115 point season in 96. Eric Lindros, also Toronto Maple Leaf great. That's how I'm going to choose to remember Eric. Let's move over to Ian Oland, who tweeted Peter Bondra. Peter Bondra, an electric Washington Capitol, couldn't quite get over the hump and win a Stanley Cup. Uh, was in competition for the right wing spot on this team, but somebody snuck out that position ahead of Peter Bondra, unfortunately. Somebody who almost also almost got into the right wing spot. You might be thinking that this is him, but it's the other right winger that might be in your mind. Pavel Bure. That was tweeted by Doubting Thomas. They threw out Pavel Bure, who is one of the greatest pure goal scorers to ever hold a hockey stick. Unfortunately, such a short career. Only finished with 437, only 437 goals in 342 games, but should have had such a longer run. His peak was as good as anybody. Back to back, fifty-eight and fifty-nine goal seasons, and then early on in the career, back to back, sixty goal seasons. You know, and then he threw in a fifty-one in between that. You know, you think it's four hundred and thirty-seven goals, and and he only played thirteen seasons in the National Hockey League, and those thirteen seasons are parts of thirteen seasons. Like in in ninety-eight, ninety-nine, he he had eleven games, and in oh one, oh two, he had twelve games. It's Looking back, it's such a disappointment in, in hockey history that we didn't get more of Pavel Bure, but when he was on, it was electric to watch, and he's easily one of the all-time greats and deserves some mention in today's pod. Next up, Neeson tweeted, Sundin for sure, but Spezza deserves one too. I'll shout out Jason Spezza, but he's not quite the tier of this list. Matt Sundin, on the other hand, for sure is. Matt Sundin, 564 goals, 785 assists. That's 1,349 points in 1,346 games. Anybody who's a point a game like that throughout their entire career uh, deserves to be mentioned amongst the all-time great no-cup players. No 50-goal seasons for Matt Sundin, but he did have a 47-goal season with the Nordiques way back when. That was also his point total high. Uh, for a single season, which was 114. It's so disappointing, a player like Sunday. All these players on the list are, are disappointing that they don't get a cup. But you think about how much Matt Sundin cared about the Leafs and about hockey and what a great leader he was. It would have been... It would have been so cool to put the stamp on his run as captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs with the Stanley Cup. And the closest they ever got was that 98-99 run where... Matt Sundin was great. Like, he was electric in those playoffs. And, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, for all of these great players, it's, it's not their fault that they didn't win. It's unfortunately the way the puck bounces. And we'll talk about that a lot more, the, the little bounces that could have taken players off of this list. But Matt Sundin definitely deserves a mention. Next up, we have Adam Oates, who was mentioned by Ray Fader. Adam Oates. One of the great centers of the National Hockey League. Finished his career with 1,420 points. Long, long career. Um, Adam Oates isn't great for the goal scoring. Unlike so many of the other great players on this list. Like, you know, it's so easy to get 
into the Hall of Fame when you're just a great goal scorer. But Adam Oates, it was all about the passing. It was all about being a playmaker. And he's one of the greatest playmakers in the history of the NHL. And uh, he never, he was on a bunch of different teams and none of them just were able to break through at the right time when he was there. But yeah, a thousand assists in 1300 games, Adam Oates. Next up, we have Jack Lucas, who mentions Daniel Outfordson. Jack says he was on a legendary line with Ottawa when they made the cup final in 07. The pizza line. I did, is that is that what they called it? The pizza line? He was a sixth-round draft pick in 133rd overall and ended up winning the 1996 Calder Trophy, was captain for 13 seasons. He had 444 goals, 713 assists. That's 1,157 points. It was all plus 55. Thank you, Jack, for writing all that out. And uh, he got a little reply on Twitter that said, very underrated. And he replied, criminally underrated. Thank you. I think you did a good job summarizing that, yes, Daniel Alfredson was underrated. Not by Ottawa fans, that's for sure. But just like Matt Sundin, Daniel Alfredson was cursed by his loyalty. Another player that stayed on one team almost their entire career. Danny was in Ottawa for his entire career, except for his final season where he moved over to Detroit to try and win a Stanley Cup. And Matt Sundin did the exact same thing by trying to go to Vancouver to win a Stanley Cup. And both instances, maybe you shouldn't be so loyal. <laughs> you know, it, it hurt them and they end up on this list because of their loyalty. But a reason that we love them so much is because how loyal they were to their franchises and the impressive numbers that they put up on their teams. Dale Howarchuk, Road Dog, mentions Dale on Twitter. Another member of the 500 Goal Club. Dale Howarchuk's probably best known for the run that he had with the Winnipeg Jets in the 80s, where he had 53 goals in the 84-85 season, and that was uh, sandwiched by a couple of 45, a 40, a 46, a 47, a 44, and a 41-goal season. The dude could score, and all he did was score in the 80s for the Jets, and unfortunately the Jets didn't break through uh, with Howard Chuck, but all-time great for sure. Deserves a mention. And we'll run through these quickly. Sedin Twins, 100%. That's Arturius on Twitter. They mentioned the Sedin Twins and Lou. Luongo definitely deserves a shout-out here as well. Did not make the team. And the CAC, the underscore CAC, writes Merrick Malik. Yes, thank you. Thank you. The CAC uh, changed the game for the better. I 100% agree. Merrick Malika, famous for his between-the-legs shootout goal. One of the all-time great moments in top 10 NHL highlights history. Let's get to my list, which is going to be the all-time definitive Jesse Blake sports report. No Stanley Cup team. Let's start with what is arguably the most important position in hockey. Starting in goal for the all-time no Stanley Cup team is Henrik Lundqvist, King Henrik. I don't know if anyone on this list was more consistently great than Henrik Lundqvist. Like, that's what I think you should take away from Henrik's career. The nature of the goalie position is that not even by game to game it might be shaky, but like season to season you're really unsure of what you can get out of a goaltender. And that's from, like, top to bottom. The best goaltenders in the world world are more consistent than the ones at the bottom, for sure. But even at the very top, there lacks a little consistency. And what Henrik does as a goaltender is just be 
absolutely consistent. For nearly all 15 years of his career, nearly all 15 of his career, you could guarantee day-to-day that Henrik would show up and would win the goaltender battle versus the goalie across the other end of the ice. He never had a save percentage in a season, not a single season, under 900. His lowest save percentage ever in his entire career in any season that he played was in his final season where he was still a 905 for the New York Rangers. Henrik Lundqvist was the mark of consistency in a in a role where you're it's okay to be inconsistent. And it's a shame that the Rangers couldn't turn one of those deep playoff runs into a Stanley Cup for for Henrik, but the dude is one of the best goalies ever and I don't think anybody's going to take that away from him. And the, the lack of Stanley Cup doesn't take anything away from Henrik Lundqvist's career. It would have been the nice cherry on top, like with everybody we've mentioned today. But for a seventh round pick, he had one hell of a career. And I can't put enough cr- praise onto Henrik Lundqvist. All right. Next up, starting on defense, Toronto Maple Leaf, great. We go from the Rangers to the Leafs. We go from a Rangers great to a Leafs great, sticking in the original six. Borea Salming, the first European skater ever elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Borea Salming, his legacy is rooted in coming over from Sweden and changing changing North Americans' perspective on hockey. Because if, if you didn't know, for the 70s and everything before that, North American hockey fans thought that Europeans were, quote, soft. And they couldn't come here and they couldn't hang with the North American hockey. And Borea Salming came here and he changed hockey forever. And, and people here realized, oh, they, they play just as good hockey over there in Europe as they do here in North America. And he dominated as Toronto Maple Leaf. He instantly was one of their best defensemen the day he landed in Canada. He goes on to become one of the greatest Leafs of all time. He sets the record for most career points as a a defenseman, most career goals by a defenseman, most career assists by anybody, uh, and most assists in a single season by a defenseman. And if you want to throw a plus minus in there, he owns the record for best plus minus for a Toronto Maple Leaf ever. There's been so many great tributes for Borea Salming over the last year after he passed away last year. And he got that moment in Toronto where uh, they brought him out on the ice to drop the puck. And it was so special. And, I think when we're talking about the all-time great players to never win a Stanley Cup, in terms of defensemen, he's right up there, and that's why he's on my squad. He's on the definitive list of the no-cup team. I think Borea Salming deserves a spot. And on his blue line right next to him is Brad Park. Let me tell you about Brad Park if you're not aware of Brad Park. Because Brad Park... He probably he lives every day and he curses the sky and he says, "Why was Bobby Orr born? If Bobby Orr wasn't born, people more people would know Brad Park." Brad Park, let me let me just tell you one second. Brad Park finished second in Norris Trophy voting six times. Six times he he was he was one spot away from winning the Norris Trophy. Four of those times, Bobby Orr is the one who won it. He was he was one of the greatest defensemen of his era. He was Bobby Orr light, which is saying he was the light version of the greatest defenseman of all time. In the 70s, he was in nine consecutive All-Star games. 
He's 13th in all-time scoring by defenseman. He dominated his era as much as any defenseman has in the history of the National Hockey League. And it's not even though his teams were bad. Like in the 70s, Brad Park and the Boston Bruins went to back-to-back Stanley Cups. And both times they lost to the Montreal Canadiens, who were an all-time great team uh, that won a bunch of Cups. (laughs) So it's just, it's a string of bad luck for Brad Park. And if he gets like a couple Cups, like say those two Cups with the Bruins go their way instead of the Canadiens' way. Brad Park, like he's, he's sitting here even more as a household name. Brad Park deserves he he might be the all-time greatest defenseman without a Stanley Cup. It's it's 1A and 1B, Boria Salming and then Brad Park. They're going to be my defenseman. Henrik Lundqvist is my goalie and now we move to the forward group at left wing, the most iconic mighty duck ever, Paul Korea. I'm sorry everybody who's a Tamo fan, I'm going with Paul Korea as the most iconic mighty duck ever. Now, there are more impressive players who didn't make this list. I named a whole bunch of them at the beginning of the pod. I'll give you that. But at left wing specifically, we need to fill out the roster. At left wing specifically, no one is better than Paul Career. And his his career peaked early. I think think his best years were the very early years in Anaheim where he had a 50-goal season, a 58-assist season and then in 69 games nice the following year he had a 40 goal season and 55 assists like when him and Tamu were running together as a line nobody nobody was as fast as them like at his peak when when they when him and Tamu were performing their best they were one of the fastest lines of the 2000s and here is another instance of it's such a shame because it was so close Game 7, 2003, the Ducks are up against the New Jersey Devils, and they just can't get it done. And Martin Brodeur leads the Devils to the Stanley Cup, and that's as close as they get. And that would actually be, be Paul Correa's last ever game as a Duck. He would, he would leave as an unrestricted free agent after Game 7 of the 2003 Stanley Cup Finals. And, you know, you think if he wins that, maybe he comes back on a on a cheaper deal. The qualifying offer at the time was $10 million, and the Ducks and uh, Bob Murray, I believe was general manager, were just unwilling to do that that type of deal. And he left, and that was it. And that was the end of his era as a Anaheim Duck, Anaheim Duck. And he would go on to still have a great career and continue on. But, like, that's what we remember about Paul Correa is those, those great Ducks years. And he's he's the best left winger ever to never win a Stanley Cup. And that's why he's on my team. And to the right wing, on the other side, we're skipping over the center because i got to save the center for last because I think the center here is the number one player all-time on the all-time no-cup team. And the most tweeted name that I got, and I'll shout out Omar who tweeted it out. And let me shout out some other people who tweeted at me some of the names that made the list. Uh, like Steph, who tweeted Henrik. Just James, two one one two, who tweeted a picture of himself in a Boria Salming jersey. Brad Park was tweeted by Hall Burrs, and Omar tweeted Jerome Aginla. Jerome Aginla, cover your ears, Calgary fans. Cover your ears. Happy Bulin's right pad and a little extra more oomph from Martin Jelena is the only reason that Jerome Aginla makes this list. It's a shame that the Flames couldn't beat the Lightning in 04. 
But Aginla has one of the greatest careers out of anybody that we've mentioned on this list today. Let me read you out the stats so you got them. 625 career goals, 675 career assists. That's 1,300 points in 1,554 games. And the most important stat is probably favorite player to Steve Dangle. So I asked Steve, I was like, what's your favorite Jerome McGinley memory? I want to throw it in the pod because I'm bringing up Jerome McGinley and I couldn't not bring him up without asking you. So he sent me this and it's an all-time great story. Enjoy. So Jerome McGinley walks in to the room and right before he did, I was psyching myself up like, you don't get starstruck anymore. You don't get starstruck. And then he walks in and it's like he just he had an aura around him. He had a Calgary Flames aura around him. And he's got like a catcher's mitt of a hand. He's just, you know, as broad as a barn. Oh my God, larger than life. Absolutely jacked, obviously. It was for a Nike shoot. So obviously he had to put on all this Nike stuff, like this jumper and pants and the shoes. But his socks were like powder blue socks like knitted with snowflakes on them and like we couldn't pretend like we didn't notice so so we're like where'd you get the socks and he was all embarrassed and like flustered they were a, a christmas present from someone i can't remember who but that's when that's the time six foot three 215 pound Jerome McGinla was embarrassed about his snowflake socks. And finally, at center, on the all-time no-cup list, the player who I think is number one overall in a no-cup list draft, Marcel Dion. When you look at his numbers, it's not really close. He's sixth all-time in goals, and he's sixth all-time in points. So that means... No one in the history of hockey has scored more goals or more points than Marcel Dion and not won the Stanley Cup. And it's out of really no fault of his own because he was just on, unfortunately, not very good teams. The Kings had a little bit of a run when they put together the Triple Crown line with uh, Charlie Simmer and Dave Taylor in 1979. But that didn't even amount to anything past the second round. Marcel Dion, for all of the great goal scoring he did, and he did great goal scoring, uh, he has six 50-goal-plus seasons and seven 100-plus point seasons. He never made it past the second round. Like that, out of anything on this list, out of any player we've mentioned today, I find the most shocking. Marcel Dion never made it past the second round despite being sixth all-time in points and goals. All of those 100-point seasons, all of those 50-goal seasons, and he was just stuck on mediocre teams. It's really unfortunate. If it's any consolation prize, he gets to center the all-time no-cup team, and he's number one in my eyes on the list of greatest players ever to never win the Stanley Cup. And if you want to word it a different way, Number one ever on the most deserving of a Stanley Cup list. So that is my list. Let's talk a little Blue Jays. 
The sun is setting and the season is ending fast on the Toronto Blue Jays, who have 31 games remaining on their schedule. And they currently sit two and a half games back of the final wildcard spot in the American League. They trail the Houston Astros and Texas Rangers again by two and a half games. And today they lost to the Cleveland Guardians. They lost in extra innings and they couldn't muster a run in the ninth inning to close out the game. And we'll get back to that because that's kind of the focus I want to talk about today is, is that ninth inning and, and that run there. I was talking to a media member recently, somebody who works in baseball, and they were talking about how it's, you can't overreact to baseball because it's, so the season's so long. Like professional MLB baseball, it's 162 games. It's, you can't really have the daily pod where, where you react to every single game because you always sit there and you look at the long stretch of, of play and, and what the numbers mean over time. Because you could have a 10-game losing streak in the middle of June and it could mean nothing in the end because of how you played around around the other 152 games in your schedule. The baseball season is a long season. But we're at the point right now where every game matters for the Toronto Blue Jays. And we've reached the point now where it's time to react to the little things game in and game out. Because that's how manager John Schneider is managing right now. And that is how the team is playing. Every single pitch, every single run, Every single victory from here on out matters for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's no longer about looking at the big picture and how you do over a couple series and how you do over the month-long stretch. It's you need to win every game because the teams around you are doing their jobs. Except for the Texas Rangers who've been falling, but they were so far ahead that they have a little bit more leeway than the Blue Jays do here. So everybody around the Blue Jays is doing their job. They're winning games, especially the Seattle Mariners. Houston Astros are really good. Like I mentioned, Texas is falling fast, but they can turn around at any moment. They lost today. And today was the opportunity for the Jays to make up a place in the standings because Texas lost again. And the Jays went out and they lose to the Cleveland Guardians who are under 500. They're 62 and 69. And what happened here? The crucial part of this game is the ninth inning, the bottom of the ninth inning. Danny Jansen leads off the inning with a double. He's on second base. John Schneider calls for a sack bunt. Kevin Biggio's job is to lay down a bunt to get Danny Jansen over to third base. What do the Toronto Blue Jays do? They screw it up. Biggio bunts it right to the charging first baseman who throws out Danny Jansen at third base. There's your game-winning run gone through base running, through a bad sack bunt. Unacceptable. Your job is to lay it down the third base line so there's no play because the third baseman has to field it and come off the bag. That's It's an Awful bunt, and if you're a professional baseball player, you got to know how to lay down a sack bunt. But that wasn't the only thing that happened that inning that was unacceptable for these Jays. And it felt it this to understand the feeling of this game. You you had to you had to watch it. You had to you had to be in there pitch by pitch because it was a playoff game. Jordan Romano was out there for two innings for the most pitches he's ever pitched. 
because it was that it was treated like this was a do or die game because they understood that it was. This wasn't one that the Jays could lose. And the reason they lost it is because two of their top players left the game today in injury. Uh, Matt Chapman and Bo Bichette both left due to injury. Jay Jackson was in there and just he pooped the bed. But all of that could have been negated by a sack bunt that goes better. And Espinal, Santiago Espinal swinging at an 3-0 pitch. I, I lost it. I lost it at my TV. It was 3-0. Danny Jansen was just thrown out at first, at, at third base. So Kevin Biggio's on first. F- whatever. Who cares? You, you lost the run. It's still the bottom of the ninth. Espinal's up. He gets the count to 3-0. and And at 3-0, he gets a ball that's low, out of the zone, and he swings at it. There's the walk. Gone. Two men. You could have had two men on base. The scoring run moves back to second. At least, hey, we lost it on the sack bunt because you don't know how to put down a sack bunt, Kevin Biggio. And at least we got now just a man on second and a man on first. But the man on second is the only one that matters because that would be the game-winning run. It was tied 6-6 in the bottom of the ninth. But now we get Espinal swinging at a 3-0 pitch that's out of the zone. And <laughs> they run the count to 3-2. 3-2, Espinal grounds into a double play. And that was it. They lose in extras. They lose in the 11th. Uh, Cleveland put up a whole bunch of runs in the top of the 11th inning. But the game was lost in that ninth inning you know, on simple fundamentals of baseball. And time and time again, the Blue Jays struggled just to to get anybody home, to have any type of timely hitting. And it's a shame because the pitching has been so good. I don't want I don't want this Blue Jays season to end at the regular season. This I think they deserve to be a playoff team just based on the pitching alone. But if this is what you're doing in the most important game of your season so far, then you don't deserve to be a playoff team. And that's a darn shame. Because it is so much fun to watch the Toronto Blue Jays in the playoffs. And there's a lot of great players on this team that I think are, are playing below where they should be. And, and that game meant a lot sitting there. It felt like they lost a part of the season that they can't get back now. And two and a half games with 31 games to go is going to be a task with the teams that are around them. So go Jays. I'm be rooting for them. I'm watching tomorrow. The beautiful thing about baseball is there are games every day. You, you shouldn't. You should look at the overall and, and not react day to day. But eventually, all it gets down to is the day to day. And there's another game tomorrow, and we'll see how that one goes. It's it's a must win versus the Washington Nationals. It's it's not an official must win. You're not out if you lose it, but it's as, as much win as an August baseball game can be. Let's see if the Jays can get it done. Closing out the show today, as always, we have What's Happening, where I tell you what's happening on SDPN, and you tell me what's happening in your life, and and I update you, and you update me, and we chit-chat. I'm going to pull something from our Discord that's going to be that's going to cover both sides of what's happening. So this is from July 16th. 
2023. I, I screenshotted it for the moment that would it would happen. Costco Rico wrote, great name, uh, on Discord. Join us on Discord at stpn.ca if you're not a member of our Discord. For Monday's presser, can Steven Adam attempt one game of Puck Doku? I love doing them every morning, and I like to think this can fall into Stump the Steve. So if you're not familiar with Puck Doku, it's that game where you get like a grid and you got to like line up. Hey, this player played for the Red Wings and scored 40 goals. And then you got to name somebody. And you got to, it's like Sudoku, except hockey. Uh, I should have just said that. So this person, Costco Rico, asked if we could do it on the Steve Danko podcast, the other podcast on this network. I don't know if you heard of it. Um, but they asked that way back in July. Never really happened. This week on the SDPN socials, if you go on SDPN, at SDPN Sports on TikTok, Steve Dangle did a Puck Doku live on, in the TikTok. There's a TikTok video. He did a Puck Doku live, and you just watch him do it. It's, it's a great video. Um, you could probably do it along with him and see, see what you got if you didn't do that day's Puck Doku. Uh, it's a great video, and we finally did it. So I wanted to shout that out. Thank you for that suggestion way back when it's finally up and we'll might do another one. Who knows? Uh, I think, I think it, I think people really liked it. So go check it out. If you're into puck, uh, Doku, watch Steve do one, uh, live on our TikTok. You can go watch the video right now. That's it for me today. Thank you for being here. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be watching and listening to this. And if you really like it, don't forget to like subscribe, rate it on your favorite podcast app. If you, if, truly are over the moon about the show go tell a friend how great it is thank you for being here good night from toronto and that is how it's done the jesse blake sports report with jesse blake powered by sports interaction want to bet jesse blake the guy that likes to hear his name twice in one sentence sure i know him No, he doesn't have an ego at all.